little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Here comes Zach Funk, right wing side. Zach Funk to right and he scores! Drops it back. Minton shoots, scores! Razor Minton makes it six to nothing. Welcome into WHL Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined by my co-host Sean Mullen and also Perry Bergson of the the Brandon Sun, our uh, our Bah Humbug correspondent for the evening. The grumpy old guy out east. Perry's yeah, mad as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore. <laughs> old man waving his arm at the clouds out in. Yeah. We've reached the the get off my lawn portion of the trade uh, the trade deadline. So. You know, we were once those, you know, a couple big trades were announced today that have been, you know, heavily rumored, but, you know, and maybe already completed, who knows, but, you know, hampered by uh, World Juniors and, uh, you know, not be able to, to trade those players un unless you're Leon Dreisaitl and, uh, you know, and the, the Oilers, you know, McTavish trades you to Kelowna. That that certainly happened during World Juniors one time, but that's neither here nor there. Um Anyway, with those those trades coming down, then uh, Sean wanted to do a show, and I said that makes sense. We usually try to get somebody, and Perry had some opinions. I said, "Well, let's do that." He's a friend of the show, listener listener of the show. Let's. Uh, so so I guess where, where do you guys want to start? As far as I mean, it's probably the probably well, these these two uh, these two Anachi trades. Let's just let's like before we get there. You know, today Perry, you you put out a five tweet thread. Um, and your guys covered junior hockey for a long time and you've seen, you know, w without getting into details, which we will, but it's another one of those days where there's a bunch of future draft picks and prospects getting traded for a hope of contending and it seemed like you've kind of seen enough. So take us through your, your thoughts today and sort of what inspired you to, to put them down and, and, you know, where your head's at on, on this subject. Well, here's my frustration with it. I think it's what's being paid these days. And I, secondly, I think it's probably the approach. 20 years ago, you went out and if you had a really good team, maybe you picked up a right winger and a first pairing defenseman. Well, these days you pick up the top line and the top pairing. Uh, so it's changed that way. But the other big thing is how much is being paid. And the reason that concerns me is sort of the valleys that teams put themselves into. You know, if you're in Edmonton and you're going to finish last in the league two years in a row after you win a league title, what's been accomplished? Are you helping your market? And does something like that work in every single market? I, I don't know, guys. Like, you know, what's your opinion on that? Like, can every market go through those peaks and valleys? Well, I mean, that, Sean, you're right there in it. I mean, you, you've there in, in, in swift current i mean the highest of the highs and then the and then the lows the lows and just kind of digging out of that i mean what you know what the, the proofs in the pudding i mean what what's it been like you know around town there well and here's the here's the the two places you go there there are teams in junior hockey that are tax write-offs right i mean you know plain and simple that the the people that own them they don't want to lose a hundred million dollars, but they don't need to make money, right? And then there are teams that are teams that have to make money to survive. Board teams, Lethbridge, Swift Current, you know, they're run by nonprofit boards. Prince Albert, they need to carry a certain amount of money to make to to make it. And the problem when I first got to Swift Current, this is sort of long winded, but when I first got to Swift Current, 
The Broncos had only missed the playoffs once in the entire history of their franchise. Once, maybe twice. But they hadn't done anything of any particular note since 1993 when they won the championship. And I got there in 2010. And the malaise that existed from that was palpable. And so you hear people say now, oh my God, we're, we're threatening the existence of our franchise by going in and making these trades to, to get geeky and to go for it. You know, the Broncos are going to be out of town by in the next three or four years. Well, one thing I can say, yes, you know, the last few years have not been great for attendance and for money, but it's also been the COVID years. So how do we measure that exactly? But I can tell you, the years where they did what they could to get in and they lost in the first round and they were never a real contender, developed a certain sense of malaise towards the team where people were just kind of, okay, you know, there's the Broncos. I'm not that excited about it. You have your base. And then when they went for it, and they won the league in 2018, it took over the whole town. There wasn't a person in town that wasn't listening or watching. You couldn't get a ticket. You were lined up at the door. You know, it it changed the feeling towards the team. So it's hard to measure because I don't know. And they were so bad afterwards because that team was gutted to uh, to the degree that I don't think any team's ever been gutted. And then COVID happened that, yes, they lost money afterwards. But I think you built a certain level of passion for the team that didn't exist before that I think is important. And that passion comes from sometimes you could go for it and sometimes you're terrible. But if you're always sort of mediocre, if you're always in the middle, if you're the Calgary Flames, people just kind of yawn. So... Can they survive from doing it? It's a risk. You can't do it all the time, but I don't think you can survive by never doing it. And I think that's part of part of Perry where you're upset is that you can't survive in junior hockey unless you take these massive swings because how do you win otherwise? You know, Prince George is trying to do it right now and they're kind of maybe that, that last hope for a team that's doing it, and we'll see what they do, whether they really do go all in or not. But they're kind of a, you know, a last hope of the team that tries to win without selling the farm. Um, but for the most part, if you want to take that run, you have to take the big swing. And, and I, I got the sense from you in your tweets today that that was part of your problem, is that you could do all these things right, but in the end, you can develop your team all you want, but you still have to take the big swing if you want to have that chance. Let's just say it. I'm not sure that every market is going to do that well with it. And Sean, if I'm in Swift, I go, okay, do I just buy a season ticket every fifth year then when they're going to be a good team? That That's what I worry about. But the other part of this is if you're a team that manages its assets soundly and never goes all in like some of these teams are, does that mean that you are sentenced to being in the mushy middle for the rest of your lives because the teams that are blowing out everything are recouping all these top picks? And are they going to be good again? Like, is there going to be that kind of repeat over and over again, rinse and repeat? And the teams that don't blow everything out and are responsible aren't rewarded at some point. That's worrisome to me, too. I mean, you know... that. To, and and to Sean's point with uh, you know the 2018 Broncos the 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 2019 you know PA Raiders same same you know very similar market similar situation there and 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 they you know cashed in their chips and and it came out through them and the or for them and the you know the the milk crates and, and all of it and I I love that and then yeah they've had to to sweat it through and and you know if they you know if they lose half their attendance that's you know, that's 500 people show up at the, a, a night. You know, I mean, Perry, you know that that market well, but you know, but the, the I'll give I'll give Prince Albert credit. They didn't they didn't um, toss it all in to the same degree. I mean, I'm not sure anybody's ever done it quite like Manny Viveros did in Swift Current, because <laughs> the next year you had no draft picks, and you had Joel Hofer and and <laughs> Ben King. And a wing and a prayer, and that that was about it. And that's you know, 
that's not the case now, and we'll get into some some of that. But that that was a unique scenario. But still, you know, Perry has the point in that if PA did manage to do it without putting all their chips in the middle, but last year, you know, Seattle and Kamloops got into an absurd arms race. Winnipeg, you know, all those three teams that there was no way for anyone else to to compete. And does that hurt the annual competitive balance of these leagues if a team has to go either I'm sacrificing the next three years or I'm out in the first round? Is, is that sort of how you're feeling, Perry? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I miss the days when there was just competitive balance and you didn't have to sell the farm to go into the playoffs and have a chance. The other worrisome part about this for me is when you ha- create these super teams and there's four or five of them across the league, do you think you're going to sell any tickets going in to, uh, you know, play the team that's in sixth place or something when they think they're going to get beat nine to two? No, that's not helping. I like the league when it's, when there's 16 teams who could win it. And this year there's about five. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is, you know, we can, we use the, the phrase arm arms race, you know, and you, and you think back to, you know, the, the fifties through the eighties or whatever. And, and, you know, in a literal arms race and it's like, but once, once the other guy does it, like you have to do it too. Like it's almost, you know what I mean? Like you could all, if you're unilaterally disarming otherwise. And so that's, that's kind of the tricky thing. And so if, you know, the general manager of the league, you know, show restraint, but it only takes one or two guys to, to, to not and, 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 you know, roll the dice on that, then then you're right back at it. So it's kind of a, you know, I, I was kind of, I was thinking about it before, you know, before we taped this, that, you know, we're, we're four days into the reign of the new commissioner who his name escapes me at the moment, uh, local guy even, you know, I'm not sure if he's staying here, he's moving to Calgary or what, but. You know, I wonder. Moving to Calgary. Hmm? Moving to Calgary. Moving to Calgary. Yeah. 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 So, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I wonder if there's going to be discussions as to, you know, what the OHL does with not being able to move first-round picks to try to, to protect the, you know, or, or, or some other rule like that. I wonder if we've got to where we're going to protect the general managers for, from themselves. I mean, it's it's only been a couple years since we limited – how far out you could trade picks looks like 2027 is the the farthest you can go now whereas i think they're still trading like 10 years out in the ohl or whatever they're doing but so i kind of wonder if if maybe to to your point perry that that discussions happen with the board maybe sooner than later as far as starting to put some some restrictions in for uh you know so that way you know if they can back back to manny's point i mean you know he was you know, he was in Henderson while the, you know, the 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 Swift Current had to, had to figure out what they were doing afterwards. So, I mean, it's it's kind of I, I, I wonder if, if if they go that that direction, put some restrictions in. I was very careful to word my tweets today to indicate that I didn't blame the general managers who made the deals, as you said, Chad. They're in the environment they're in. That's been created by the entire league. So you have to play by the rules, or as you say, you're unilaterally disarming. I don't know. It's just frustrating to me. Here's an idea, boys. Let's think about this. And this might be ridiculous, and I'm wrong about lots of stuff, and I'm probably wrong about this. Let's say that you traded a player for another player in a pick. So there's three pieces involved. What if you had in a season 15 pieces you could trade, and that was it? Tell me why that wouldn't work. I mean, it's 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 like it's like I get five sick days a year. They just renewed, and so I got to be careful where I spend them. Like that that kind of an argument. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's in Junior A. Uh, I remember this is kind of a different version of that. They had cards, right? So if if you you know, overcommitted yourself, and then then a bunch of these guys didn't fit your team. Well, you'd already burned a bunch of your cards. And I remember the team I covered in Trail 
one year had tried to make some trades and then a couple of guys didn't come, but they'd had to put them in cards to make the trades. And then all of a sudden they're at the trade deadline and they're short a couple cards and they can't add players they want. They'd made too many moves. So there, there are things like that that exist for sure. Um, and in the end, taking steps to take tools away from managers is a reality of sports look at the salary cap, right? The salary cap exists to protect leagues from owners who will do everything they can to win. Because if not for the salary cap, you know, the 1990s Red Wings would have spent $300 million, right? Like, so you, you know, if, if in the junior leagues, they have to put a salary cap on staff or they have to say you can't trade first round picks or whatever. I get it. There's going to be points where if things get too out of hand, you have to evaluate those, those realities at the same time. The other side of the coin is, you know, Swift current did face a long rebuild. Saskatoon did face a long rebuild after the 2013 Memorial Cup. Swift current faced a long rebuild after 2018. That rebuild time has been shortened these days. You know, if you're Swift Current, if you're Moose Jaw, if you're Saskatoon, if you're those teams that are making the moves that they've made so far this year, and you look at Kamloops and Seattle and Wenatchee, you think to yourself, yeah, I'm taking a big risk this year, but as long as I have a couple of pieces left, I'll be able to recoup that. So, you know, that's not necessarily the the best reality for fans that, you know, you go for it and then you're bad for a couple of years. But I don't think you're sentenced to five, six, seven years in the wilderness like a couple of teams have been before. It seems like as long as the prices keep being high, that you can turn things around relatively quick if you're smart. Tell me Henderson. <laughs> Well, they're already trying, right? Yeah. Look at what look at what they did this off like this year. You know, they've they've been bad two years, and they're already going for it to prepare for next year. Oddly. Yeah, that one. Well, that one still puzzles me. You you you, you know anybody in, in Edmonton, Perry? You, you, what's your what's your take on, you know, moving a lot of assets for for one player for a, a team that's in last place? Well, it's almost like their trades took them in two different directions. You know, you send Port and Kovacevic to Moose Jaw. So that says, okay, you know, you're you're rebuilding. And then you have a trade later the same day where you acquire some young assets. So I guess the way to look at it is they are young assets. So as Edmonton moves forward, you know, these guys will be in the lineup. But boy, oh boy, that was a pile of picks. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven picks and a player, you know, to get younger. That struck me as expensive, but maybe that's just the market we're in now. Well, and the market you're in, you know, some people have brought the comparisons to 2018 for this year because, frankly, the teams that are involved, right? Moose Jaw and Swift Current throw their chips in the middle. We haven't seen either team do that since 2018. And since they met in the second round that year and went to seven games in what was an absolute blast of a, of a series. But that same year, the Eastern Conference probably had the best three or four teams in the league. And Brandon was among them up until the trade deadline when their back was pushed against the wall by what Regina and Swift Current Moose Jaw were doing. And they decided at the last second to deal Tanner Kaspik and Kale Clegg. Do you feel with the moves that Saskatoon and Swift Current and Moose Jaw have made, even though Brandon's in the top four of the conference right now and they've got a player like Danielson who everyone's looking at, has what's happened the last you know couple of weeks and especially today put them in a very similar position to 2018? Well, you've eloquently made the case for them. You know, that's exactly what I've been wondering, too, because it does really feel like 2018 all over again. 
and they made out like bandits with four first round picks and you get a second round pick that's Brett Highland who's on your roster right now you know that they got a couple of uh, young prospects who played for them they really made out well that's just they a couple of the picks they used didn't turn out maybe as well as they might have hoped so they're not near the top of the league now if those picks had hit but you have to wonder like I don't know which way Marty Murray is going to go. Honestly, Marty doesn't consult me when he's making his trades, which I know this shocks you guys, but um, I, you can probably make a case either how, way. How dare he, think of all your experience in the league. He really should. <laughs> Marty's not that dumb. Um, <laughs> at the same time, they really like the kids that they got in the last draft. And they like their the guys that got the 2021 draft. So you wonder if they want to get younger and, and build for this next couple of years when they and Prince Albert are both probably going to really start to rise, especially as the rest of the East Division falls back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if we pick up extra Brandon listeners because we have you on the show, but, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the, the cost of, you know, these trades and whatever. I mean, you know, when when uh, Kelly was, you know, acquiring the picks for Stelio Mateos and and Nolan Patrick and and uh, and these type of guys, it seemed like, you know, he was fleecing everybody else, you know, and getting the first overall pick from Spokane and, and whatnot. So I mean it was uh you know, it was it, it was pretty good to be in that position. Uh, you know, seemed seemed like Kelly always won those card games. So it's kind of, I mean, you know, what what's old is new again, as far as far as that goes. I, I know you weren't in the in the market at the time, but I'm sure you're, you know, aware, familiar with uh, with, with some of those moves. Yeah, I think the scope of those deals was a lot different, though they weren't as massive as they are now. Um, you know, obviously Lethbridge went through a tough time there for a while, and Brandon picked up some players from there and swapped some picks back and forth. So they did do pretty well in that. But you know who you need to pour one out for today is the poor fans in Wenatchee. Let's talk about them for a sec. Imagine being new to the league and, you you know, you really start to like this team. This team's playing very well. It's a very good team. Chad, you could talk about them more than than I can because I haven't seen them live. And, you you know, you get – halfway through the season and then you see some of your best players going the other direction you know this is all a product of what's happened the last couple of years in Winnipeg obviously but just imagine how bewildering that is for fans who are new to the league even though they did a good job I thought of trying to explain what was about to happen on their website well I give them credit honestly for doing that because that kind of transparency is not always uh, apparent in junior hockey especially but like hockey is not a sport known for its transparency <laughs> and for for Wenatchee as a new team to understand the reality uh, that they're facing and to understand that they're having to make some tough decisions and to have that open and honest conversation with their fans I mean I remember we did something a little bit similar um, when Mark Lamb created Cody Eakin in 2011 because Swift Current, again, I'd mentioned, hadn't missed the playoffs for most of their existence. And it was Mark Lamb saying, look, guys, we're not good enough. And we're not going to be good enough if we keep doing this. And we had we did like a two-hour end-of-season detailed conversation about the, the, the state of the franchise. And I, I like what Wenatchee's doing there. Because they have a little bit of, you know, leniency being a new team. And I also think... And Chad made this very astute point in our podcast with Steve Ewan the other day. They're in kind of a Lethbridge 2018 position where they didn't have those guys at the beginning of the season. They were still pretty good. Those guys went away at the World Juniors, and they're still pretty good. And when they had them, they were very good. So they've got you know a little bit of real estate. That's still going to be a playoff team probably. So you trade away those guys, yeah, it's a, you know, you have to explain it. But they're still probably going to finish like sixth. And that's not a guaranteed loss in the first round. But they're still getting playoffs their first year in the league. And they won't be 
a disaster for four or five years after because of this. I, I think it's about the only thing they could have done, and it was really well executed by Wenatchee, especially considering the disaster that happened with their coaching staff early. Right. They now have a first-rounder in the next four drafts, which is good for them. Yeah, I mean... And they'll probably the playoffs and get some experience and you know, give their fans a taste of that. So, I don't know. I, I think they, they handled it as well as they could have. It's you know and 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 f- forgive me, listeners, if 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 I repeat myself from earlier this week, but I mean, here in the states, like we don't. I mean, we barely have major junior. There's what you know, eight market or nine, I think now in the in in no, whatever it is, eight, I think eight uh, towns in the in the entire country that have major junior. So you know that's that's a rarity, and then even. You know, less well, not less, I guess, with with junior A, but like we don't know how junior A works, and so you know, it's not you know we don't have you know Lloyd Minister and and, and Trail and, and and you know Humboldt like you know most of the fans of this show would have, and so you know I, I I'd love to do like man on the street interviews, you know, like it, with with the locals of Wenatchee about you know I I would suspect most of them didn't know the World Juniors was a tournament until six weeks ago you know and so it, and they don't have first round nhl picks coming through there that's just not that's just not how it works you know those guys get picked later they you know they're going ncaa and so it's kind of like as we learn oh wow you got high-end guys oh well there's a cost to having high-end guys because they go away to this tournament and then you know i mean it's i i feel like it's such a new experience for them even though they're they're a quality hockey town and have supported junior hockey for for a long time especially under the same regime in three different leagues now but the realities of 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 major junior and what that is is totally new to them and so i mean the the i didn't realize this till i was i was reading that that you know these this piece that six-part piece that we were, we've we've referenced whereas the wild put out hey this is what we're about to do which is Pretty remarkable in a lot of ways, but I didn't realize the BC the BC League doesn't even have a draft at all. Like you just find guys. Like that's wild, you know. And I mean, we always talk about there's no salary cap in Penticton, right? But you know, it's it's. Uh... So yeah, I, I... There, there sure isn't. <laughs> there's no rules on how many how many guys you promise first line minutes to either. Yeah, yeah. And, but... and whether you're Penticton or you're Vernon or whomever, you have a roster uh, of about 15 forwards who all think they're going to play on the power play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then a league where you can have, what is it? Nine twenties or something crazy like that. Like I just, I, I, I certainly don't understand it. I've never, I've never lived in a, a, a junior a town, you know, outside of the USHL, but it's neither here nor there. But yeah. So I, I kind of, I kind of wonder if, if these wild fans are kind of like, you know, I feel like they're as a whole, I mean, I'm stereotyping, but they're educated enough to know what they don't know, and then they're learning the ins and outs of Major Junior, and they're probably like, well, yeah, I mean, we don't want to not pick anyone in the first five rounds for forever, so I don't know. It's it's And, and then, the, you know, we made the point the other day that they did a natural experiment of what it looks like to go without those two guys because they left first of December, so you kind of know what you're looking at without them. So, yeah, it, whereas, you know, if the guys didn't go to World Juniors, you wouldn't have that – natural experiment to draw from so uh, they kind of know what they're getting into but yeah it's a very interesting scenario i honestly wonder what's worse having fans who don't know a lot about the league or having three thousand general managers who come to games like they do in Brandon. now on the brandon front seeing what the price is and what the teams have gotten and it's hard to keep anything secret these days in the hockey world. I mean, it always was to some degree, but, you know, I heard about Connor Geeky, the Swift Current, mid-December, maybe earlier. Probably earlier. So this is not probably like late November. So, you know, this is not a league where things get kept quiet easily. And Jeff Merrick's on his podcast, and he's not talking. He doesn't have a couple of sources saying Danielson's going to the U.S. division, probably Portland. If you're putting your 
you know, Chris, looking at your crystal ball, do the Wheat Kings want the kind of return that Wenatchee got? Or because they're further along in their process, are they trying to get guys there? Like, are they looking for a type of return that has a, a shorter turnaround? What's your thought process? Well, I'm basing this on no conversations with Marty about it, okay? So I am entirely speculating here. Sure. So I want to preface that by saying that. Um, if I'm Marty, I would probably want a high-end, maybe 17-year-old defenseman, 18-year-old defenseman. Um, and you would want a bunch of picks. Like I think Brandon this year has a lot of depth up front. And they really like their forward group, and they have some nice forwards coming in again next year. I don't think they're too worried about up front. I think that maybe on the blue line, they could use a little bit of help. They also have pretty good goaltending. Um, so if there's one area that you wanted to address, that would probably be it. But again, that's just me guessing. Well, you know, I don't have any inside information either, except for uh, I, I believe that Portland is very interested in, in Danielson. But, you know, one thing that Mike Johnson has been, you know, pretty, pretty adamant about over the years is that they don't trade guys off of the active roster. You know, they trade picks, they trade unsigned guys, you know, rights to college kids, that kind of thing. Very rarely have they ever moved somebody, you know, that was, I mean, it happens on occasion, but very rarely have they moved anybody that, you know, didn't already want out, you know, or, 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 or that type of a thing. And so, and they try to really keep it that way. I think that's, I think that's part of a recruiting pitch, you know, that they, they have that, that track record. And so, you know, if you mention a, you know, an 18 year old defenseman, like that's probably not in the cards. And so, I mean, I don't think they have one on the roster to give up. I mean, you know, four, four of them are 19s and, and, and then, uh, you know, you, you, you go from there, but or actually they added, added additional 19 just recently. So, you know, I talk about a team that's, that's built for, for this year, you know, but so that'll be interesting to see what, you know, what they have to give up. I think they have, you know, a fair bit of uh, a draft capital aside from, what they moved for for Jugnoth to bring him in from from the NCAA, but yeah, so I don't know. It'll be it'll be curious as to you know, and 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 if, and, and if it's if it's quote unquote the U.S. division, well, we know Wenatchee's not adding, and you know, I don't see Tri Cities or Spokane doing anything, and we don't think Seattle's doing anything, and you know, Everett seems to be pretty good. They just added a added a overage defenseman, so you know, I'm at there there. You only you only takes two to have a bidding war, but. I mean, we'll, we'll, I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I think there are a limited number of destinations this year, and you have to wonder at what point are Saskatoon and PG and even Swift done? Like, you know, how many guys are they willing to bring in? How much are they willing to spend? So in your mind, Perry, you mentioned having good depth, good goaltending, um, you know, couldn't use some help on D. Is Brandon also a team that's in a position like Wenatchee, like 2018 Lethbridge, to trade away a Danielson and still be a pesky team that's right in the middle of things? You know, that if Swift Kern or Moose Jaw has to play the Brandon Weekings in the first round, even though they push their chips to the middle, they're not that confident because of what Brandon brings to the table. You know, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I actually haven't ran the numbers, but I think since Nate's been gone, they've been eight and two or something. So you know they haven't lost too much. They they played pretty well actually. I don't know. I like I hate to speculate too much because I, I like Nate Danielson. He's he's a good young man, uh, quieter guy. But who knows? I they could. I really don't see them being big buyers. I just don't think that with like who's left and with the prices that are being charged and especially with the young talent they have coming in, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, maybe they stand pat. I don't know. Yeah. It's, so go, go ahead, Sean. I say in regards to the trades that were made then, 
you know, we've gone this far without actually getting into them. The two big moves saw Moose Jaw and Swift Current that seemed to be tied at the hip for some reason. You know, they, they faced each other in the playoffs in 2017 and 2018. They both <laughs> they both made big moves in 2018 and went after it. They both rebuilded and had some great talent in that 19-year-old age group. You know, they've followed so much of the same path, and here they are on the same day acquiring an elite forward from the same team. Uh, you know, we know what your reaction is to the price, but what's your reaction to who's doing it and how it fits and how you think that impacts the Eastern Conference? Well, let's start with Matthew Savoy going to Moose Jaw. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Moose Jaw this year, but their forward group is just dynamic. They've got some very good players on the back end. Uh, Unger's playing very, very well in net. I like that group a lot. And Matthew Savoy, especially, imagine him skating with Berkus or somebody. Like, oh, my goodness. Um, because he's such a good setup, man. Here's one of the interesting things that I noticed was Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, and PG have all been buyers this year. What's the common denominator for those three teams? They've, they've never won a league title. They've never won a league title. So that's three of the teams you have going in this year. Um, in terms of geeky to Swift Current, um, that's an interesting one for me. But I guess, you know, we're looking at Swift and we're going, you know, is that really a good idea? And then you think of the players that have been out of their lineup all season, Sean, maybe you can speak to that a little bit. I think when you get those guys back and then add Connor Geeky on top of that, you, you're going to have an infusion of some very, very good players. Well, here's the mentality with Swift for me. You know, Medicine Hat won yesterday, but before that, Broncos were six points out of first place. And this is a team that at the beginning of the year couldn't get a save. Uh, Owen Pickering, who was supposed to anchor their defense, uh, had messed up his ankle. Connor Vitson was out of the lineup, who was supposed to lead their offense. Matt Ward played 18 games and then got hurt. And the last I heard was they're hoping he's back February, March. And he was their leading scorer the last three years. Um, Reed Dick found his game as a goaltender, then got hurt, and they had to go get another goalie. In the meantime, their coach got suspended and, you know, relieved of his duties by mutual decision. Like, they've had so much adversity for a team that, you know, two years ago, when they kind of surprised everybody and got within a point of making the playoffs because of this age group of players, their 2004 group is exceptional. Then last year was a little bit of a disappointment. They came up short again. But there's so much talent in that group of 2004s. And some 2005s have taken big steps in Bernie and Gould. And then Caswell from Manitoba, who you saw in Brandon, has been yep. wonderful this year. So they're a team that's faced a ton of adversity already. And have put players in a position where they've had to step up beyond what they would have been asked to do. So then all of a sudden, you know, if you get Ward back and you get Dick back and you add Geeky to the lineup and Havitson's healthy and Philman's healthy and Pickering's healthy and then you add Dvorak for free, who's a second-round NHL draft pick defenseman for the LA Kings, that just dropped into their lineup. And this team, having been through all that they had been through between the injuries and the coaching issues are still only eight points back of first place in their division against the Medicine Hat team who, frankly, they've had their number. They've had Medicine Hat's number. It doesn't surprise me at all. And when you've gone six years without being in the playoffs and you knew that this age group, this 2004 age group, was kind of the, the peak of your cycle, even if the season hasn't gone perfect to this point, if you're Chad Leslie, you have to ask yourself, what's my best chance of winning? You know? A bunch of these guys aren't coming back next year. Right. And even if they do, I can only have three of them. So if I'm going to make them, I move. i got to make it. And there's nobody running away with the Central Division. Mets and Hats probably a year ahead of schedule. You know, their peak is probably next year. So 
Saskatoon's going for it. Moose Jaw's going for it. They're in the other division. But it's not a particularly deep conference. And the West is not that deep either. So if not now, when? Right? If you're Swift Current, yeah, okay, it hasn't been a perfect year. But if I'm going to do it, i got to do it now. And, and so it didn't surprise me at all. And for a lot of Bronco fans who, or, you know, skeptics who've pointed out 2018 and said, you know, it's going to be like that all over again. I mean, they've got a lot of assets that can come back, you know, whatever they do get for 20-year-olds. You know, I expect Matt Ward will be in the league next year. I don't know if Vitson will be or Philman or Pickering or Dick, but I could see one of them. And you have Bold and you have Bernie and you have Caswell and you have Kettles and you have McFall. Like, it's not a team that's that's ripped down to the to the absolute bare nothing that the 2018 team was. So yeah, I, I think it was traded for older players that year. Yeah. And they left nothing touched, right? Like there were, there was no younger assets left except Ben King and Joel Hofer on that team. No draft picks, no prospects. It was those two guys. That was it. It's not that scenario this time. So I'm not surprised. And I actually think, you know, I've seen a, a bunch of people say, what are the Broncos doing? They're not contenders. If you put their full team on the ice, you know, I think they are. But that's that's the, the guessing game that Chad Leslie and the board have had to do here because they haven't had it. They haven't ever got to really run that full team. They're going on faith a little bit, especially because they haven't had any playoff time. So it's a, it's a fascinating gamble for Swift Current. And they still have their first-round pick for 2024 and there's talk of them still making another move. So they're, they're a very interesting team for this year. But you have to, you know, if you're in hockey, in junior hockey in particular, and you've been in this game a long time, Perry, you build these teams with a cycle in mind, and you say, you know, here's, here's where my team's supposed to peak. If I, don't, if I don't make my run when we're peaking, when am I going to do it? And this is when that team is supposed to peak, and if they don't do it now, I'm not sure that, I think that the time might pass them by, you know? Well, I think probably the same math calculations are being made in Moose Jaw and Saskatoon. But sure, here's, sure. here's the thing, guys. Only two of those three teams are going to make the Eastern Conference final, and only one of those three teams is going to make the WHL final. You know, two of those teams are going to get left behind, you know, at the end of the day. And there's no guarantee even if you make the WHL final, you're going to win. Well, it's and... So 2018 is a great example of that, isn't it, Perry? I mean, that that year is is such a wonderful parallel because I think it ended up Swift and Everett in the final. I think Swift Current, Moose Jaw, and Regina, and before the trade deadline, Brandon, were probably the best four teams in the league, all in the same division that year. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it was awfully close to that. And Swift ended up getting by Regina and getting by Moostra in seven games in the first two rounds, the toughest first two rounds I've ever seen. But those Regina and, and Moostra teams were not first or second round loser type teams. And you made all those you know commitments, and that's all you came away with. So it's a scary proposition, isn't it? Well, imagine, Sean, if Max Paddock doesn't get hurt in practice before that first round series. Do the Broncos actually lose that series and we're not having this discussion now because nobody ever does what Manny did again. Mm-hmm. Well, in this, in this current Broncos club in, in sixth place, and you're like, well, they're, again, they're adding a world junior player, but, you know, they're four points out of third place and they're four points out of missing the playoffs. So you know as as of the time of this recording so it's it's pretty pretty wild and I, I imagine they're banking on you know again adding adding this you know real nice player and to, to your point sean you know this guy getting healthy and 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 uh and a nice euro showing up that you know they're, they're just they don't they don't intend to to stay in sixth place to start climbing the ladder and you get in that top four you can you can avoid saskatoon for for a round or two, and then uh, and then see what happens, right? That's probably that's probably you know oversimplification, but probably a lot of it. Well, twelve well, points. Between, 
Sorry, go ahead. You saw Winnipeg last year, uh, you know, pretty closely with the rivalry with Brandon, and Winnipeg ended up being the definitive class of the conference. I mean, Saskatoon had a great story on the run that they went on, but Winnipeg was the class of the Eastern Conference last year. What do you think these teams are getting? You know, like, we, you know, you mentioned Matt Savoy and the kind of playmaker he is. What's Swift getting from Connor Geeky? Because I think Connor Geeky this year, I mean, he was a key player for Winnipeg, but he seems to have found a whole other level this season. He's six foot four, plays the center ice position. He can do a lot of things. I mean, you had the right guy. I remember when Eakin went to Kootenai, was a team that was sitting in fourth when they picked him up in 2011, and all of a sudden that team was unstoppable. They swept Saskatoon in the second round. You know, what's Geeky bring to Swift? Right? How, the, how much can he change the dynamics of that team? This, they swept the Braden Shen Saskatoon Blades in the second round, but uh, go on, Perry. That's right. <laughs> Still a crazy deal. You know, it's hard for me to really talk about Connor Geeky just because I've known him for so long. You know, I watched him play when he was in U15. Um, you know, smartest player on the ice every time he was on the ice. And he's developed into this kind of free-spirited, happy-go-lucky guy. He's going to be great for the dressing room there. And on the ice, he's just a man. You know, uh, that game where he scores the last three goals and then wins it in overtime, uh, crazy. Like, he's just a man among boys this year. He's going to be a very, very good player. So smart to go with that big frame. You know, he's not just a big body who can shoot the puck. He thinks the game so well. And we, and that's a deep. You know, it's been a, it's been a deep forward group in Swift Current. You know, you have Vitsin, you have Filman, you have Leventure, you have Bernie and Caswell and Ward if he gets back, and then you add someone like Geeky to that mix. That's got to be pretty intimidating to stop, you know, a team that maybe hasn't put it all together yet. But if you're looking at that lineup, you're starting to scribble together lines. I haven't mentioned Gold. He's a point-per-game player. You know, do you look at that and say, that's a team that's going to that's gonna be better than they've been, I would think. Well, there's all kinds of promise there. The matchup problems they're going to give to other teams are just wild. They're going to have some very, very good players on their third line. Well, you know, I we talk about, or at least I do, on these shows all the time about back to that Broncos team that, you know, if they were one guy short of of adding all that, then I don't, th- I don't think they make it. You know, we talk about not, you know, how tough the first two rounds were, and you know, I it they they needed all of all of those pieces, you know, and so as far as being decimated, if they were, you know, one one trade less, and then they probably don't don't win the whole thing and then you and then you're you're really out you know so it's you know i wonder if if uh you know you look at well you look at the you know last year's winnipeg team you know were they i mean they couldn't have made more moves but were they one were they one guy away and it's kind of so it's you know that it, and you'll never know until until afterwards so you, you know hindsight's always there but you know I, you, you know oh, that's that's where i wanted to go with that was the uh, I, I got rambling for a second, but that uh, that that Cody Eakin deal in in you know I I saw the 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 2011 Kootenai Ice up up close and personal, and you know that was a very tight series three three overtime games, you know and you know they uh, you know if if they wouldn't have added those you know those pieces and you know that that eight with eight player trade or eight asset trade I believe it was for for Eakin I mean if they don't. If they don't push those chips in the table, then 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 they don't win. And I guess you could argue that maybe it didn't mean anything winning in 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 Cranbrook because it didn't ultimately work out in the in the long run. They they didn't even sell out the the games in the final that year. But see the earner there. But I mean, so sometimes, I mean, it's it's kind of afterwards you're like, well, yeah, they they had to to be that invested in order to to to, to make that kind of hay. At the same time, though, Sean and I have both covered championship teams, and the things that fans don't see is what's the physical toll along the way? You know, what kind of teams do you play? Do you play heavy teams? Do you play fast teams? By the time you get to a league final, you got 23 players in your roster maybe, and I guarantee you, Sean, what, 18 of them are hurt somehow? And to that, 
to that point, why has the Western Hockey League struggled so mightily with the Memorial Cup? Because our, our travel schedules the work, and our teams are the most physical, and there's generally been the most depth in the league, you know, compared to some of the other leagues. Now, I, I remember that 2018 team, the, the, the one trade people point to all the time, they say, how was Josh Anderson worth two first-round draft picks from Prince George? And that trade has helped to make the Prince George Cougars what they are right now, actually, funny enough. But if you're playing the most games any team has ever played to win a championship, what do you need more than a six foot two, 220-pound physical below the goal line in the corners in front of the net type defenseman? If they didn't have him, do they get there, right? It's that kind of player that doesn't doesn't put up 30 points but makes the kind of difference that maybe you know the average fan or the stat sheet's not going to show yeah you can't underestimate the toll of those heavy series you know i saw it in 16 when the wheat kings won they played a very heavy edmonton oil kings team the braden point moose jaw team was more of a track meet team but then Red Deer Rebels, you know what you're getting from Red Deer every single year. You know that's going to be man's hockey. And then the Seattle Thunderbirds team they beat was also a very physical group. By the time they went to the Memorial Cup, they, they just had nothing left. Like when I say 18 out of 23 hurt by the final, there's probably 21 of 23 who were sore by the, uh, by the time they got to the Memorial Cup. Now, you know, one general manager so far – has kind of played by the the rules that you know you talked about. It's been Mark Lamb, who I got to know pretty well in his time in Swift Current, and you've talked to him, I'm sure, many times. And he's built that team in Prince George through a whole pile of patience. And as he watches, you know, we'll see what Portland does. We see what Saskatoon's done, Moose Jaw's done, Swift Current's done. As he watches this all happen with his team finally having a chance to to win it all, but the one time Prince George really went after it. It, it kind of fell on their face. And from what you know of Mark Lamb, from what you see in the landscape of the league, what's your gut tell you about what Prince George does before January 10th? I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them bring in another player or two. Not at all. These chances to be at the top of the league are so fleeting, and especially in today's market, they're probably going to spend and bring another player or two in. I really liked them when they came through Brandon. They are so fast, it's so smart. It's just a good hockey team. I, I got a real kick out of watching them. What have you seen from them, Jet? Well, I get a. They come to town Saturday night for one thing, so I'm excited about that. But um, when they were here before, uh, they won four nothing and looked really sharp. And you know, Portland had a really rough weekend at that point, and so. You know, momentum was definitely, you know, against them, but you know, the PG just, just took care of business, you know. And I've, I watched I watched them on a video, or I tried to anyway, on a video in Wenatchee the other night looked really good. You know, I've tried, I've tried to catch them when I can, but, uh, yeah, it, they, they, they do look really sharp to, to me so far. And, you know, to, and, and to your point too, Perry, I mean, again, this is a, this is a team that moved – to Prince George from uh, from Victoria in 1994, I believe it was, and they have one banner hanging total for any accomplishment. You know the the uh, the, the the 97 run of the third round with Zidane Chara on defense. That they still talk about up there. They did, they didn't get anything to show for it. You know, and the 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 year that they won the division. You know, then they got. You know, beat by Portland in the first round that year in in, uh, in 2017, and you know it cost Todd Harkins his job. I mean, they 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 loaded up, and it was the right thing to do. And even though it didn't work, it was the right thing to do at the time because they had to. You know, I mean, you have to to Sean's point earlier about you know mediocrity is death. I mean, you know that is the Prince George Cougars, and like they have to do something at some point, and and yeah, they've been patient, but. You know, it's one, well, and you look at the you look at that the BC division. I mean, it's it's wide open, so it's 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 the it's the right time to be at the at the top of the cycle. Hopefully, we can get a 
you know, we can get uh, Mark Lamb on here later on to, to talk about it. But yeah, no, I think I think I think PG's in, in a really good spot this year to, to to try to make some noise. They also haven't wasted assets in previous deadlines. No. Uh, they, as you say, Sean, Mark Lamb is he's one of those GMs that's really good with his assets. So if this is the year he chooses to spend, this is the year they go all in again. I would certainly understand it. So from your perspective, having certainly paid the closest attention to the Eastern Conference, East Division, you know, uh, we've talked a bit about Swift, but the teams that we suspect, you know, at least to what the cards they've shown are Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, Swift Current. They've made big moves. They've added big players. Take us through just your perspective on those three teams, Perry, heading into January 10th with what they've already done. And what's out there, what do you expect or what do you think they need if there's anything more to happen uh, for those clubs? Well, Brandon uh, played uh, Saskatoon recently here, and I watched them again on uh, on WHL Live. That's a fantastic team. They are so smart. Uh, again, so skilled up front. You add Seuss to left to that mix. He's going to be something else. And they're winning right now without Tanner Mullen by Dyke and Newton, uh, too. Uh, to me, they still look like the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Um, the team nobody talks about, though, that's played very, very well after a terrible start is Red Deer. I still think that they can make some noise, too. I, you know, they don't generally make the big splashes at the trade deadline either. Um, so you have Swift trending up. The Wheat Kings have played very, very well of late. Um, you know, they're right close to Moose Jaw, point behind Moose Jaw. Uh, Moose Jaw is a fun group to watch. I think the common denominator I'm seeing with these teams, other than Red Deer, like Saskatoon, Moose Jaw especially, and Medicine Hat, is the team speed. Have you guys noticed that? Like all three of those teams, it's track meets every time you play them. And it's funny... <laughs> you know, we, we talked a little bit back and forth on Twitter after your your thread you posted, and and how how connected to everything is Colin Priestner. <laughs> he sees our conversation, and I mentioned the 2013 Blades, and he's in there talking about how long how long they had to recover for. So that that's somebody that's not far away from being plugged into everything, is he? So I, you know, seeing the, the other moves made around him. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, trying to figure out what he has to do right now because that's the best position that the Blades have been going into the playoffs in their entire time working the team. And again, there's the pressure of not having won before. So, you know, how many times have we talked about during this conversation when the opportunity's there, you have to strike? Now, it's unfortunate the prices are what they are, but I can certainly understand GMs doing the math and going, well, if not now, when? Yeah, and that's a, you know, fr friend of the show, but that's, you know, Priestner is a man that, you know, has job security in that regard. He can, you know, he can do what he wants with the team. And, you know, we, we talk about it every year, it seems like, but, you know, people kind of looked at him funny when he, when he got that gig, you know, because, you know, ownership of the team and all that. But he's okay. been, he's been good and he's built good, you know, Blades teams, and where would they have been, you know, if, except for Kirby Doc was too good that year, you know, and you know, how frustrating that had to be for them. But, yeah, and so, you again, you yeah, was it 50 years they've been there and they haven't ever won anything, hosted a couple times? Like, yeah, so it's, you got it, you, you got, when the, when that window's open, you got to try to run through it, but. You know, again, that's that's counter to, counter to your argument, Perry. As far as you know, build you got to build a super team, but they're that's what they're trying to do there. Well, see, I don't disagree with adding elements because that's always been the way that it's worked. What I disagree with is a the prices that are being paid, and b like like I said, thirty years ago you went and got yourself a winger and a top pairing D man. Now you get yourself a top pairing in the top line. That's a lot different to me. What do you see out there available? Because a lot of the big fish have gone. You know, Dan Danielson we've talked about. Um, a lot of teams that are considering whether to add or not. You know, I'm sure you've done like a, 
very at least casual peruse. Uh, are there some players in your mind that that could be available that would certainly be catching the eyes of these teams right now? Whether it's the three we talked about in the East, or uh, someone that's a surprise, or a Prince George, or a Portland, or an Everett out west. Is there anybody that you, that really catches your eye as someone that would be a target? You'd think I did that casual perusal, and yet I have not. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, it's interesting just because the races are so tight. Like Lethbridge and PA and Calgary and even Regina, who have emerged as traders in the last uh, – or sellers in the last week. They're so tightly bunched. And it's the same in the Western Conference with all those uh, bottom teams so tightly together. You know, you know, Seattle and Kamloops are probably out of the playoff picture. Uh, Edmonton's probably out of the playoff picture, and nobody else is on either side. So, who are the sellers? Like, who? Like, are some of those teams going to just say, "Okay, this isn't our year," and uh, and sell off some assets? I don't know. You know, there's lots of good players on those teams. Uh, the Prince Alberts and Calgarys and Vancouver's and Spokans and, and guys like, or teams like that, even Tri City if they decide they want to be sellers. And in, with these market prices, boy, you got to think pretty long and hard about it, don't you? Yeah, you, you, you know, whatever the cliche is, you know, you're going to entertain any any opportunity to make your club better and, and, and all of that. But, yeah, as we talked about this earlier in the week with Steve Ewan, it's like who, who are the sellers and how do you find them? You know, because if there's, it might be an imbalance of, which again is going to screw with the, with the market. But if there's an imbalance of, of, of teams trying to add, then uh, you know that's that's why it varies year to year, I suppose. Well, I would be wa- willing to wager that every GM in the league's phone has been ringing off the hook. But you'd have to think, like in the in the East in particular, there's a couple of examples of teams that have. You know, if you're Prince Albert, you won a championship in 2019, you're pretty good after that, and everyone knows you're kind of rebuilding. So if you're Curtis Hunt, you've probably earned a little bit of, uh, of you know, understanding from a very passionate fan base. I mean, you know the Prince Albert fan base better than I do, Perry, but I, you think he's earned a little bit of credibility there, having brought them a championship for being able to, you know, make some sale-type moves here this year. And if you're in Calgary, if you're Gary Davidson, this is year one as general manager after the team's been kind of mediocre for a while. I don't think anyone expects you to move mountains this year. So, you know, if you're in a position where you have a little bit of found money, I would think, I don't know, uh, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong about the Prince Albert market, Perry. I mean, again, you could tell me different, but I, I would think there are teams that are in position where they wouldn't be hurt too badly from a fan perspective by making the, the, the decision to take advantage of the marketplace. No, and you know there are some outstanding overagers around the league that are available. Sloan Stanek and PA Ronald. He's a local guy here that I've spoken to a bunch over the years. A terrific player. Um, was it Shergill in uh, Shigel in Calgary? Mm-hmm. Shigel, yeah. Like, those are good players. It's just where do you want to spend your, uh, you know, your trade capital? Are you bringing in twenties or do you like the twenties you have? Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what to expect. Over, I'm going to be really interested to see who the sellers end up being, and if these prices stay on the trajectory they're at right now. Yeah. Well, Perry, we've kept you for for some time. I know you probably have, uh, you know, more more uh, newspaper work to do. Uh, subscribe to your local paper, by the way. Um, do you have uh, any kind of closing thoughts as we start to, to, to wrap this up? Well, long term, I just hope that the league can kind of find its footing and, and back away from what I consider an unsustainable uh, way of doing business at this point. I just think that the damage to markets potentially could be long term. And, I, you know, I get Sean's points about Swift and exciting your fan base. But at the same time, not every market is going to be receptive to being in the basement for three or four years. So that's my big concern. You know, I care about the league, and I want them to. Uh, I want it to be a good, lasting league for a long time into the future. 
Yeah, I remember when when the Winterhawks were in you know winning eleven games a year and nobody's at the rink and it was it was in real bad shape. But they also didn't win anything. Like there was no reason for them to be that bad. It was just it was just a disaster. But the uh, ownership was bad. But you know they've fortunately that was a long long time ago and it's been been pretty good since. But uh, yeah, as far as trying to yeah either you, what what's Jeff Merrick say you're selling wins you're selling hope. And like, yeah, you get in that kind of, you know, kind of despair period. If yeah, if you do, if you were the, well, if you were the Natural Wild before today, you know. But uh, but yeah, now they're. But, go ahead, Sean. I guess the last thought that I would have for Perry, since we're wrapping up, you know, you've mentioned your concern about the general health of the league, and this has been a topic that's come up a few times when these kinds of trade deadlines have happened. We've seen it in Ontario, and I know they. Can second round picks but would you be in favor for the long-term health of these teams of taking the uh you know the nuclear weapon out of the hands of the general managers and banning the trade of first round draft picks or at least limiting it like in the nba you can only trade every second year you can't trade every year in a row would you be in favor of some type of rule like that of taking that weapon out of the hands of general managers to prevent you know a disaster from occurring in some of these markets here's an idea don't let them trade the first three rounds there's three <laughs> then it's going to be players for players and then you are actually making hockey deals wow. I mean, p- potentially but then you got to undo the thing you just did that you know 17s and uh, 16s and 17s aren't on the, on the table so then you know you're kind of I mean, you're 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 giving up one for the other, but I, I guess that's a trade, isn't it? <laughs> Chad, I've called what's going on right now a Ponzi scheme. Somebody's going to get caught <laughs> holding the bag somewhere down the line here when they change the rules. But I, I'm just putting it out there. I like what the NBA does. I think it it's, it it limits the long term damage. If you can only trade every second year, then at least you can't decimate your long-term future entirely. And like Chad said, if we can't trade 16 and 17 without permission, you know, you need to have something. So I, I think that's at least something to explore where it, it you know, protects the, the teams from themselves a little bit, but doesn't take all the power to make uh, those kinds of changes off the table. Yeah, I think some kind of changes have to be made. Yeah. But boys, I've done yeah. en- I've enraged enough fans and general managers tonight. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a it's 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 a discussion and an entertaining one and that's that's all we're trying to do and so uh, you know, everybody has their own opinions and that's you know, that's the that's the whole point of the whole point of a of a project like a show like this. So but we uh like I said we appreciate your time, Perry, and you know, I already said subscribe to your paper, I'm gonna say it again, so because we need uh, we need guys like you in our league. Because you you make it a better place. So appreciate that. Thanks, man. Thanks again, guys, for having me on. Thanks, Perry. Appreciate it. <laughs>